Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter, joining us now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Jason, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, there are multiple things going on. People love to talk about other people's money, so I guess we can start there. Patrick Mahomes has thrilled us all. He's won Kansas City, that elusive Super Bowl that they had been chasing since the merger. So it's no surprise he got a long-term deal and a big money deal. But when you saw the years and you saw the half billion dollars, did your jaw drop? No, because as soon as I – I mean, years made me go, Wow. They must have really gone all in. But if you're the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and their quarterback history, certainly not illustrious, you sort of understand like why they would do this. I think once I saw the years, which I was surprised by, I actually said, uh, you know, I tweeted out, if you're buying out what is ostensibly the rest of his career, it's probably going to cost you $500 million, and I said $200 million guaranteed. What it is is a max, I think, of $503 million mm-hmm. with rolling guarantees that are in the area of you know $477 million. I don't know what, what exactly that means, but real guarantee of about $180 million. So, I, I, you know, this was the number that I thought it would be if you were going to do that kind of an aggressive contract. Now he gets 180 in the first four years of the deal, basically. Um, but, yeah, you know, there are some people who are going to say, look, he could have waited it out and made more, say six or $700 million, and sold himself out a little bit short. But when you've got $180 million, you know, you're talking about generational wealth sitting in front of you. You've got to take that, you know, in a sport where you can get injured, you're coming off of a dislocated kneecap, you got to take that deal. He's such a young player if you look at his age, and yet he's wildly talented. As you project down the line, how much better can he be? Well, it's a funny thing. Like, if you go back and you look at the 50 touchdown pass season, right? Like, is he ever going to do that again? The odds are overwhelmingly no, right? Because it's only been done three times in the history of the league, right? It's sort of like looking at Dan Marino when he came into his second year in 1984. He threw his 48 touchdown passes. And he never achieves that again. But is he a great player? (laughs) Yeah. And would you take him as one of your top one or two or three or four quarterbacks on the build round? Yes. Has has Mahomes already won a Super Bowl? and surpassed Marino in that respect? Yes, absolutely he has. And so for those reasons, I, I don't care you know, what the numbers look like. I think he's going to only get to be better and better, especially while he's playing in an Andy Reid system and coached by Andy Reid. Jason Gole, longtime NFL reporter, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, do you think with the with the Ravens and the Chiefs, the NFL is going to be able to recreate what they had with Brady and Manning, and what they had with uh, the the Colts and the Patriots? Is that where we're going here with two young quarterbacks, uh, with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, or is that is that too much to hope for and too much to predict? Uh, too much to hope for, too much to predict, and. 
while I really love what Lamar Jackson did last year, I think it's harder to replicate that over the long term than it is to replicate what Mahomes did. So I think it's harder for a guy to, to run that effectively at that level for that long because uh, people don't get faster. They don't get quicker in this sport. They get hit and they get don't get older. And look, I think Lamar Jackson did some amazing things last year in making himself a proficient passer. And by proficient, I mean proficient enough that he had to be respected as a thrower. But if you look at the game against Tennessee, where they basically said, "Look, we'll let you throw. You know, we're gonna we're gonna basically play soft against you. If you can pick us apart, great. But we're not gonna let you run and get to the outside and take advantage of the edges. If he doesn't learn to beat that kind of defense on a regular basis, he's there's only so far that Lamar Jackson can go, and he will not be in the class of a Brady or a Manning." Mahomes already is that kind of thrower. Whether he's a runner or not, I think that Mahomes is clearly going to progress to be a pocket passer later in his career and an awfully good one. Contracts tend to be escalating across the league, meaning that you know player A gets this, then when player B is due for his contract uh, the next year or whenever they reference since as uh, to to a degree a starting point the prior player's contract what does this contract mean for quarterbacks in the league I don't know if this one's going to be replicated because I don't know that anybody is on Mahomes' path right now I mean you know look Dak Prescott is a really good player um, but he's really good he's not transformational he's not a guy you say, this is the face of the league. This is the guy that everybody's going to be watching. So I don't see him getting paid. Is Deshaun Watson close? In, but even Deshaun Watson is not in the same league as a thrower with all the weapons. You know, like, it's just not the same. So I don't know that anybody is, I don't know that any other team out there is going to say, okay, we're committing 10 years and on top of that, willing to pay the kind of guaranteed money that goes with a 10 year lifetime, essentially lifetime contract. Right? So I don't think you're going to see teams do it. And I think you're going to see that agents are not going to say, okay, we're going to give away a 10 year deal just so we can get close to this number because at a certain point you're selling your, you know, you're, you're selling out your player a little bit too low, just to just to say that you've got a ten-year deal that may be worth four hundred million dollars. I just, I don't see that this is going to get replicated. This is a special player, special circumstances with a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in fifty years, and on top of that, really hasn't had a a, a franchise quarterback of any type for that entire time. I mean, the closest you get is probably Trent Green. As that's a, probably the best quarterback over the last 50 years for the Kansas City Chiefs. Longtime NFL reporter Jason Cole joining us. I think a lot of 
people who root for other teams, especially other AFC teams, AFC West teams, they're going to have to uh, compete with Mahomes and Kansas City, are, uh, are thinking, okay, that's great, they got him, but that's a lot of money. How are they going to put a team around him? How are they going to pay all these other people? Do you think that this deal will be renegotiated? Do you think NFL revenues are going to grow enough that he's not going to be eating up a massive portion of the cap? Or do you think that they are going to have to draft great and have guys on rookie contracts? Because they are going to be up against the cap. Well, look, I think they're going to be tighter again. I mean, look, you can't pay a guy this kind of money and have Kelsey and Hill and some of the other guys and not sit there and say, okay, you got some issues to deal with, Chris Jones and, and the like, right? So you do have to replace guys. They've already started that process, like with Tyreek Hill. They went out and got Nicole Hartman. They've got Hilaire, um, the kid from uh, from LSU, the running back. You know, they drafted him to get some, some more speed. They're trying to work on a deal with Jones. Yeah, they've done some things here that put them tight against the gap. But, you know, before we get into the whole COVID issue, the projection was that the cap was going to go up upwards of $40 million from this year to next year, from from 2020 to 2021, that it was going to go from two, basically $200 million to upwards of $240 million. Um, it may not get that high as a result, but it's going to continue to go up um, because the television contracts force it. Now, there's going to be some blips here because you're not probably not going to have people in stands this year. But once that gets fixed, over the next 10 years with this contract, with the TV contracts, with new media coming online and becoming, becoming more dominant, you know, the Netflixes of the world, Amazon, Prime, everything else that you're, you're seeing, I, I don't think there's any question that the cap is probably going to get close to you know, somewhere around Three hundred and fifty to four hundred billion dollars, and by that time, even a fifty million dollar quarterback still allows you to have a bunch of other really great players. Because the one thing that's built into this whole system that people don't really understand is the rookie contracts are still inordinately low. So there's a whole lot of money out there to be spent right now against the cap. Most teams have ten to fifteen million dollars of cap money. Now it gets eaten up. There's, there's no question about it. But nobody's sitting here saying, I can't make a move because of the cap. They can all make moves and do what they need to do. Who's your favorite rookie quarterback? My favorite rookie quarterback? In terms of who do you think has the best chance to succeed based off this last draft? Oh, let's let's, uh, review them for me for a second. My my brain was not even there. Um, (laughs) Who are my candidates again? Well, you got Herbert. Uh, you know, he's a, a Pac-12 guy, and obviously we're a Pac-12 city, so people are interested to see. Uh, I, like, I, like Herb, I like Herbert a lot. Um, Tua, I like, I like, I like Tua an awful lot as well. Um, <sighs> Does Joe Burrow have enough in Cincinnati around him to be the guy, or was he in LSU it's, it's and the not, team was loaded? With, yeah, the problem with Burrow in Cincinnati is one, it's a terrible organization, so. I, you know, now he's exuded some leverage on them to say, okay, we're going to keep some people, we're going to do some things, we're, you know, and he, he, he's already tried that. It just doesn't last that long. Once you sign the contract and you're there and they're their property, they can pretty much do whatever they do. And Mike Brown will always fall back on path of least resistance. He's not going to go out of his way to sign players and do the kinds of things that you need to do. I mean, I think there's a very good chance you're back to the days where, you know, like when David Shula was the head coach, 
Um, you know, Bruce Coswell was the head coach there. I think Burroughs, Burroughs in a lot of trouble um, just because of the culture of that team. Now, I will say that, you know, Tua, I like the way that the organization is going. Just the question is, how long is that body going to hold up? Now, are you healthy now? No. Okay. Herbert, the, the things I'm hearing from scouts are, as long as they allow him to transition into learning pro-style offense and get away from the offense that he played in college, which he wasn't really suited for, but obviously he was a hometown kid, so he wanted to make that work. Um, as long as San Diego gives him time, they think he's got a chance. They think he's, he's tough. Yeah, he's not an outward leader like some people would expect at that position, but um, that, you know, a lot of people like all the other intangibles of work ethic, the dedication, and they think he's going to make it, and that he was just really poorly suited in the offense in which he was playing with at Oregon. So I think he's probably got the best overall chance. I would go to him next. And Burrow, I think he's a great player. I just think when you're buried in when you're buried with the Bengals, you're in a lot of trouble. Yep. The other first rounder is Jordan Love, who went to Utah State. So we followed him, and he certainly struggled after the coaching change and nine new starters on offense, new offensive coordinator, and everything. So his last college year wasn't as good as as the previous year. Uh huh. But everyone, I think, was blown away that the Packers in the first round prioritized him. It's a bad, it's, it's a bad fit for the kid. Um, there's a lot of pressure that goes with playing being a quarterback there. Um. He's he's not particularly well suited to play in the offense that he's trying to play in. I don't think the weapons are all that good around him, and I think that the coach there is going to force him on the field probably before he's ready. Because really, this is a Lafleur pick. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, they can say whatever they want to that this is the general manager making the decision, but that's not what happened in this situation. Lafleur is the one who forced this because Lafleur he's like he got to where McCarthy is in a hurry, which you know McCarthy got tired of dealing with Aaron Rodgers because he's a hard guy to deal with, but he's also super talented. And Lafleur doesn't want to make peace; he wants to have the upper hand in that relationship. And it's just not going to work. You know, the coach always loses the quarterback. And so I think that this, you know, I think that Jordan was going to get caught in the crossfire between these guys. And again, I don't know that he's particularly suited to play in that offense, certainly not right away. So I worry about that one a lot. I'm always fascinated when people who are on the inside, like yourself, say about uh, one team's culture and organization is a mess, as you just referenced with Cincinnati. And then you mm-hmm. just, before that, you had said, well, as long as Andy Reid's there in KC, and obviously that's a compliment towards Andy Reid and what he's done. It, uh, how is one organization well run and another organization isn't when the organization that isn't all they got to do is find out what the organization that is doing it well and how they do it well and just copy it it sounds so easy doesn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's one problem with it there are human beings involved so look Different people have different styles of how they run teams, right? Some guys are hands-off, some guys are hands-on, some guys are hands-off. And 
they hire they know how to hire really good football people, right? Like the, the Steelers historically hire good GMs and good coaches, and they keep those people in place for a long period of time. That's the perfect structure. That makes you as competitive as you, as you can be over the long haul, which is why they've won as many championships as they have, right? So that you know, in Green Bay, you know, relatively consistently over the last twenty years has gotten it right because they have a structure in place and you know they have the ultimate hands-off owner culture because they don't have an owner, right? Um, whereas you go with Dallas, they have a hands-on owner who wants all the credit and he wants to essentially be the, the football coach. I, mean, I, I remember having a conversation with Jerry Jones where he said, yeah, when I was coming out of Arkansas, I really thought about wanting to get into football coaching. And then looked and realized how much football coaches made for a living and said, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. i got to go make more money. And plus his heart, he did, but I still think he wants to be a football coach. And then you have my, a guy like Mike Brown, who is the son of Paul Brown, and wants to believe that he can create a legacy that is as great, as great and overwhelming as his father. His father is, Paul Brown would be on the Mount Rushmore of of the NFL, right? Mike Brown is, you know, just a was a smart guy who didn't really grow up being a football coach and dedicate his life to being this. He went to, you know, went off, again, smart guy, went off, went to Harvard, became a lawyer, but he didn't really learn what locker rooms were like or having to call games or all those other things. He just thought, well, I'm the son of Paul Brown. Therefore, I can do some of the same things. And you see it with Mark Davis, you know, being the son of Al Davis. You know, there's a human factor to this. And so when you say, just go do what other teams do, a lot easier said than done. All right, Jason, last but not least, all this football talk is great, but is there actually going to be a season? Is it going to be delayed, shortened, postponed, canceled, 16 games on time? What do you think? Well, I... I finished my degree in epidemiology last night. <laughs> so um, from that area of expertise, I would tell you I have no idea. Um, I'm hopeful that you know we can have sports, period, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it is. Um, I hope they can have football. Um, but obviously the, the numbers around the country in terms of number of cases and all those things are looked you know, really questionable. And the number of athletes have already gotten COVID and, and haven't even been in practice yet. Uh, I mean, it's a little scary, right? So I think there are some, you know, really major concerns. And that's just the players. You're not even talking about the coaches who are going to be concerned about their own personal health. And football is the, the ultimate contact sport. So I don't think you're going to see preseason. I think that, you know, they've already reduced from four to two. I think you're going to see zero really soon because just, it's not going to be worth it to play. And I think they're going to keep their fingers crossed that they're going to have, you know, be able to keep enough people healthy that they can run games off in September. And I'm just going to knock on wood and say, I hope that it happens. But I have some real doubts, and I have much larger doubts about college football, especially based on, you know, Harvard yesterday saying that they're, they're only going to do classes online. That's a really bad sign for what's going to happen to colleges. Jason, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on the air and joining us again. We appreciate it. All right, guys. No problem. Anytime.